Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 93. This week on the episode, I've got an awesome conversation that I literally just finished up with. Normally, I don't tell you guys how long ago these things were, but um, it is Tuesday night, October the 26th, and I just finished my conversation with Nick from the band Calling All Captains, Um, and this episode is going live Wednesday, October 27th, so um, literally just a few hours from us having this conversation, Uh, but we basically wanted to do this kind of super quickly um, because this Friday they've got a new album coming out. Uh, The album is called Slowly Getting Better. It drops the 29th of October. They've got the hometown release show coming up on November the 5th. They're doing a documentary that drops the 4th of November. Um, Just so much cool shit is happening right now for these guys. So it was really important that we had this talk and get this episode up just as quick as we could. Um, And yeah, Nick and I hit it off. Uh, he made the comment in the uh, the podcast conversation here that we do look pretty similar. Uh, we were both wearing hoodies. We're both bearded dudes. We're both short, kind of bigger guys. You know, it it's fine. We're we're family from somewhere. So, um, but no, we had a great time talking. We talked about signing with Equal Vision. Uh, you know, putting out this record, the length of of time since I've really been on stage, you know, to perform live music, um, and just so much more. It was such a fun conversation. Really want you guys to dive into this because this band is super fresh. Um, take that however you will. (laughs) This is their debut full length album that is dropping on Friday. So, um, I tell you guys all the time to put bands on your radar, And this is one of them. This is a band that needs to be on your radar. They're doing a lot of really cool shit. They have super cool, uh, like, final variants for this album and all kinds of stuff, which we talk about in this episode. So, um, highly, highly, highly recommend you guys check them out. Listen to this this episode, and you're going to get a feel uh, for not only, you know, the musical stylings of the band, but really the personality. Um, and it, it's, I think, going to bring in people that maybe if you just saw their name, just saw the genre, whatever, uh, maybe you wouldn't listen to them right off the bat. But as Nick and I talk about as well, genres are bullshit. Um, sometimes they don't make sense. And this is one of those cases where they get labeled as like a post hardcore band a lot. And they've definitely got elements of that, but that's not all that they are. There's so much depth and and variety through their, their songwriting and song composing. And, uh, I think it's a really super cool project that they're working on here. So we'll say that I did have some internet issues while doing this, so I do apologize. The audio does get a little bit garbled up at a couple points. Um, I am working super hard to get that fixed, so that won't happen in the future. But for now, let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Nick 
from the band Calling All Captains. But yeah, to start things off, I do ask the same boring fucking question every time. And that's the simple introduction. Who are you? What do you do in the band? All that fun stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I've done enough of these. I'm I'm used to the familiar, but I've also been on the other side. Like I was doing a Twitch stream for a little bit where I was just deep diving on people's Instagrams. I'm like, tell me about this. So I appreciate somebody who's actually like putting in effort and shit. Uh, but to go from the top, I'm Nick. I play bass and calling all captains. We are a five piece pop punk post hardcore band, apparently uh, out of Edmonton, Alberta. We've got our debut record coming with uh, New Damage Records, Equal Vision Records, and Rude Records on October 29th, which is this Friday. It's called Slowly Getting Better. You can stream it. You can buy it. You can steal it. I don't give a fuck. Just listen to this band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a couple things I want to touch in just off of that. A, how cool is it to have like a three record uh, label deal, right? Like your tech label that's supported by the other two, but at the same time, like the the reach that you have capability wise right now is insane dude for being five guys from a basement in edmonton like it still doesn't feel real that we have one record label let alone three and like like you said rude is kind of supplementary to equal vision uh but when we sat down we signed the evr deal everybody was like no like leave canada for you you guys are canadian you know the market you know everything like take care of it yourself and so we did our EP cycle that way. And like it, it did well. Um, I'm still waiting to see any money from that. But I mean, <laughs> we're not doing the shit to get paid. Uh, but right. when we kind of came around for this, we got new management and we kind of wanted to take things a little bit more seriously. We're like, well, let's go to Dynalone. Let's go to New Damage. Let's talk to the Canadian labels and figure out, you know, what's it going to take? And it was two, three meetings. The, the biggest thing was we took the record to them and they just wanted it remastered or remixed from somebody. Yeah. And so like, we did what we had to do. We got it originally done by Quince Rankwitz, who produced and engineered and did everything else on the record. Uh, and they just they wanted that outside opinion. They wanted to know what somebody else would do with it. Uh, and so we took it to a couple people uh, and it wound up being Caleb Shomo from Attack Attack and Beartooth that who is also my boss in some way, shape and form. Um, <laughs> but he he just hooked us up and was like, yeah, I'll definitely do it. And I think it turned out it's weird because I don't want to say better. Because Quinn's mix was fucking incredible. And like, I remember hearing that for the first time, like, ah, oh, this record's going to be great. And then you hear Caleb's take on it. And I'm like, ah, it's still going to be fucking great. So, but yeah, it, it, sure. no, it got awesome. And then they sat down and we're 100% on board with it. And we've got uh, Jacob, who's been working with us like super closely on everything. And it's just been completely backing of every bizarre idea we've wanted to do. He's like, yeah, we'll make it happen. So it's it's cool. There's a few more things kind of coming out in these these next few weeks that, Right. are absurd in my mind that we got to do but hey we're going for it hey you know i i've said for a very long time that equal vision is one of those record labels that does not miss like their roster for the last flawless um and they've got the knowledge and pun kind of intended i've said it before they've got this vision for what they want their bands to do. And it's not that they take over creative. It's just that they listen to you and they go, okay, cool. You guys kind of want to do this, but we can, we can amplify it. And by doing this, you're just going to reach more people or here's how we would tweak that. And it, it seems like they just fine tune these bands that have a really good idea and concept of where they want to go. And they just elevate people so fucking heavy. Oh, dude, it's 100%. Like when we 
when we got our offer from them, like we kind of did a bit of research and digging and, you know, again, band from Edmonton label from Albany. Everybody always asks how we hooked up and we just, we got the right connection in between at the right time that somebody was interested. And we sat down and the meeting kind of started, like we'd been stressing. We practiced for like 18 hours a day, like just <laughs> relentlessly, like we're going to play to a label. We got to make sure this is good. Uh, and we played one song and they're like, yeah, let's go get pizza. Like, just let's hang out. And yeah, <laughs> we, we sat down and the conversation was always kind of like, if we sign you, what is it you want to do? Or if we sign you, what are your demands? And like after an hour of us just like shooting the shit, it was like, OK, when we sign you, this is what we kind of have in place. And decided like we went in saying, you know, we're going to go in, we're going to put a record out, we're going to tour, we're going to do everything with or without label support. It's just the reach of it that's going to come with it uh, with a label is the most important thing that we were kind of looking for. Yeah, something I want to talk with is uh, you said where it only takes one song with them because let's see, there we go. I was on me. That was my bad. All good. I'm yeah. like, it, it, it froze out for a second. I was like, I'm good. I'm out in the country in Indiana. And so I've got Starlink and uh, it occasionally clips out. So I switched over to a different network. And it just totally took me for a second. I think that's super cool, though, that it goes to show that your comment about playing one song for the Equal Vision and then them being like, let's go fucking hang out. I think it says a lot about them because obviously they're a record label. So, yeah, it's about money to some extent. But to them just as importantly it's about the band and if they're going to mesh with them and just kind of who you are and there's just so much more to it in their mind and i think it plays into the cliche of you know people are interested in people and i think that shows again going cliche it's very olive garden like when we're here we're family that's just how it is and like we've definitely grown to that point there's a bunch of bands on the label like we have our discord nights that we're all like, ah, you know what? We're going to have a power hour. I'll hang out and shoot the shit and drink some beers and listen to music. And um, fortunately enough, like it's the same thing. Whenever any of us go on tour, we always try to see each other and hang out and, you know, spend some time together because we are in all in like, we are a family. We have all been doing this shit together. We're all on the same team. We all want to see each other succeed. And the label's no different. Um, like I know Stephanie, our A&R got married not too long ago and everybody was super excited for her and we were all making posts and celebrating because it feels like, you know, our sister got married. Like we're all a part of this. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's just something that's really cool. You know, I don't think a lot of people from the outside of the music industry, I think they just have that assumption that record labels are a big machine and you know, they're just going to make money off the bands and all that, you know, the evil corporation type of concept. And while that may be true with certain labels, you know, well, they're defunct now, but we'll throw three records there. Um, you know, they were not the most uh, trustworthy with their, their contracts and stuff. But for the vast majority of labels that are out there, that's not, I mean, it is a goal because we all want to make money. We live in a corporate world. But it's not the ultimate goal in the sense of like, they're not going to pimp themselves out to someone that's just going to get them a paycheck because it still reflects on them as a, or as a, a label. 
A hundred percent. And I mean, we, we got super fortunate with our team that everybody has that same mindset of uh, if the band isn't making money, none of us are making money. So that's priority there. I mean, again, I'm still waiting to see a dollar from anything, but <laughs> everybody else is getting paid and that's my priority. But, and, and honestly, like, you know, you kind of said it at the beginning, we don't do these things for the money. We do, again, in the sense that it's a capitalist world that we live in. So we need money. But like, if you didn't love what you were doing and you're making, you wouldn't be doing it. Not at all. I mean, like I, I work a nine to five still here to pay my bills and shit. So I can spend my nights playing music. I'm going to give me one second. My cat is destroying yeah, my merch right now. So I'm just going to throw him out of this <laughs> room. Fine. Yep. Go for it. <laughs> oh, go yeah. Sorry. He's a new kitten, like literally three days in this house. And so he has no idea this room existed and it's uh, where I'm storing all our merch, like getting ready for the show. So I've just got boxes and piles of gear in here. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't climb to the top of that. Right. <laughs> right. It's funny to me because I've got a cat that I've had for like five years now. And same thing. Like when, when I'm in the studio room, she's not, 90% of the time because she just fucks with everything. And I'm like, look, you've been here. Stop. I don't, I don't want to have to keep yelling at you. <laughs> yep. Especially like I said, he just walked across the keyboard at one part. I'm like, he's going to hang up. I don't want that right. to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good, man. Um, so yeah, at the very beginning, uh, you made the, the comment that you're a hardcore band, I guess. And I wanted to touch on that specifically because a, it's something that I've tried to get away from myself as well. Like fucking genre labels don't matter anymore. Like they're all bullshit. Bands fit into to far too many boxes. Um, but I guess for me, when it comes to like you, you know, a hardcore band in the broad sense, absolutely. But if you dissect your music, there is so much more depth to it. Let's talk a little bit about that because you guys are clearly fans of like old school punk, hardcore music. There's a little bit of like metal-ish riffs in there. Like you guys are touching on just about everything. Yeah, I mean, we got very fortunate with the crew that we have. Uh, when the band started, like the biggest things in pop punk were like Four Year Strong, Chunk No Captain Chunk. So everybody was writing like breakdowns in fucking major keys and that was just it. And, you know, we all like 100%. That's the reason we are a band is that's how we started writing. And then we, you know, we grew, we changed and adapted. And like, I've always liked heavier music. Luke's a metalcore kid to heart. So like, I feel like we bring a very heavy edge to it. Um, Connor is an insanely talented guitar player, but he only listens to the Beatles. So a lot of the kind of the, the melodic factor and stuff comes in from him. And then Tim and Brad, like they both have Blink-182 tattoos. They're old school pop punk kids. Uh, and like, yeah there's not a question none of us didn't grow up playing guitar hero or tony hawk and like those soundtracks really helped shape us so it definitely it is funny because like i don't see us as a hardcore band i know luke screams a little bit i know we have a couple like heavier breakdowns and chuggy kind of parts but like uh, to me we're we're a, a rock band more than anything else be it pop yeah. rock punk rock whatever uh and it's super easy for me to describe it that way especially like my grandparents like what do you play rock I'm wearing an end hoodie right now. They don't know what end is, but I could tell them we're the same band and they would have no idea. Right. And I think with that though, it, 
it kind of positions you in a place where, you know, some people get hung up on those labels, right? Like, oh, I don't listen to hardcore music. I don't, you know, I don't listen to emo music, whatever. But if you if you generalize back to rock music, and I think for you guys, especially coming across your discography, like there's so much variation throughout your music that there are times that you are a pretty traditional rock band, you know? Um, and then there are times where, sure, you would be on the, you know, a day to remember type, four year strong type tours. Absolutely. But I think you guys have positioned yourself where you're in this kind of unique space that a lot of bands are trying to get to where it doesn't matter who's headlining the show. You guys can probably stand there alongside and be a part of this show. That's all I'm ever going to hope for is just <laughs> let me be a part of a show again. And I'm all for it. Um, yeah, no, we we play and write the music that we listen to. Uh, this new record, it's got something for everybody. There's songs on it that I you know when i'm playing the cd in my car i'm skipping they're not my kind of songs but then there's those other ones that i'm like oh, i gotta go hear that part again like i love how that intro comes in like just i get excited yeah. about my own music the same way i get excited about my friends or my idols yeah and that's kind of one of those things I, I feel like a lot of people especially as their career kind of grows they drift away from their well no this is going to be more appealing to the masses and hey if i'm playing 200 cap rooms for the rest of my life but i get to play 200 cap rooms for the rest of my life i am doing all right but and i think there's a, a big difference between appealing to the masses for the sake of a paycheck versus playing to a 200 cap room for the love of the music definitely um yeah i i think it's really interesting too that you say that there's songs on, on your own album that you're willing to skip. Because uh, so often artists, you know, like that, I've been, I'm 90 something episodes deep on this podcast in particular. I've been talking to bands for like 16 years. Almost never does a band admit on their upcoming slash newest release that, yeah, there's some stuff that I'm just, I'm not a fan of, so I skip it on their own stuff and that, it's not a bad thing and i don't think you meant it as a bad thing at all i just think it's really cool that you're like you're that humbled and and like honest about your music that yeah some of this is super cool that i am heavy with and other parts i'm just like eh, that was you know luke's song or whatever and i i'm okay with that too yeah i mean i i heavily believe in being genuine especially in this industry there's a lot of people out there that are gonna you know, gas themselves and gas anybody up for their own betterment. And I'm never going to go up to somebody and be like, ah, I fucking hate you and your shit's <laughs> garbage. But I'm totally comfortable admitting, you know, no band in the history of ever is going to put out every record and every song and it's going to be a 10 out of 10. We're no different. I know on this record, I've got the songs that I I'm going to go a little bit harder for it live and I'm going to enjoy a little bit more. And then I have those ones that I'm like, you know what? this isn't my vibe near as much. I can kind of bring myself back down. So I'm not in the sixth gear going like balls to the wall for every song. It gives me a break in between. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, especially when it comes to live shows, like obviously you want to write a set list that is the best of the best every time. But at the same time, like you said, 
running in sixth gear, you know, a uh, thousand miles an hour, five nights a week, you're going to burn out at some point and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, dude, I'm a fat kid to begin with. So like <laughs> it takes, I don't have a lot of gas in the tank. I'm trying to reserve it for those moments. Uh, and I mean, like coming up into this, the release show next week, like we're playing the record. There's no question that we right. weren't going to do, you know, front to back in whatever order. But one of the biggest upsides to us being able to do that in our hometown with our most dedicated fan base is we're going to get to get that firsthand kind of response on how everybody feels about each song. We're going to know which ones the crowd like more, which ones we like more, which ones we play better and just get that vibe yeah. off of them. Whereas like coming off an EP, I'm like we had five songs. We played five songs. That was it. We had no option. Now we can right. kind of start cutting it back. I mean, OK, like, you know, these two off the EP do good and these four do really well live. So there's our set. and we're good for half an hour opening somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, an important factor too, is like, I want to say the majority of casual fans, and that may be a, a bad term to use casual listeners. Um, but I think a lot of people that maybe aren't, you know, diehards of a, of a band, but they, Oh, you know, I'll get that show. I don't think they understand a lot of times just how much goes into building a set. Cause like you said, especially as the discography grows like, well, shit, you know, we had five songs off this first album that everybody fucking loved. They lose their minds every time we play it, but now we've got new music. What do we do? Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult. I think I've been kind of fortunate to learn the way that I have like being, I, I work for Beartooth. So I just got to go out and do the, beginning of their the low to below tour and watch them and kind of learn from them. And it's okay, well, here's the new record songs. Here are the old favorites. How do we fit everything in? How do we make it work? You know, where are we sacrificing old classics for new heat and kind of all that. And it's, it's been a real game changing experience on how I operate on every front, getting to just watch and kind of be behind the scenes and see how big bands do it. Because then we, I come back and we're doing captain stuff and it's like, yo, big band shit. This is big band shit. We're doing a set. We're getting a backdrop. We're going to have lights at the merch. Like just these little things that you don't always realize are such a conscious thought in bands that are another caliber. I'm like getting to bring that back to this and help us grow and kind of learn from that. And it's awesome. And going, building the set list is the same thing as, you know, we got to make sure it's not up, down, up, down, you hit the peaks, you hit the lulls and it's seamless and the transitions are there. It's fucking awesome. And it's a nightmare. My brain hurts every time I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. And I think it's cool that you bring up, you know, those little nuances, like let's have a merch table. Like, again, I don't think artists even really think about those little things because how does someone go buy your shit? If you're in a, a dark ass, but they can't see what your shirt look like. Yeah. I mean, dude, I don't know how many times I bought a Navy t-shirt thinking it was black. Yeah. Like I just, I want to be able to like know what I'm getting my hands on right away. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, and so like, I'm excited to do it. It's a whole lot of an investment that I always forget has to be done, but. Yeah. Well, I, I want to touch on that with you, especially as well. You know, you are tied to the label and everything. You guys been why for a while you know you've very much been a band that kind of takes everything on themselves obviously labels helping out but when it comes to merch and you know 
travel and things like that until you're on a label. Talk a little bit about how difficult some of that stuff goes because it's a financial responsibility. It's a stress factor. Like, like you said earlier, you've got a nine to five on top of that. Where's balance come into all this? Uh, I'm still figuring that one out. Uh, my wife can attest to it completely as well. My balance is not as good as it should be between my personal and my professional and my, I, I don't even know how to classify the band because it is such the kind of this passionate career for me. Um, but like, I, I do my best. Um, I'm again, going back to her. She, I'm very fortunate. She is a godsend when it comes down to merch and everything. Like we've been sitting and doing our inventory and getting a spreadsheet ready. She's going to be our merch uh, seller for the show. Uh, and she's phenomenal at it. So I'm very, very fortunate to have the support network in her uh, and in my parents, especially just if I'm ever in a situation on tour and I'm hurting for cash, my parents can send me some money. Like right. very, very awesome there. But as far as like getting the balance of everything else, I work a uh, nine to five. Uh, I'm still probably on my phone four hours of my actual work day, like doing band stuff. Uh, I do school photos for work. So I'm okay. I'm hands on when I'm working a lot of the time. But like as soon as it's like I don't have a class in front of me, I'm on my phone doing this I'm in the group yeah. chat. Um, yesterday, I had an hour and a half lunch break. So I drove from the school I was at downtown to go see that billboard they put up of us because i'm just like i can't not like this is the first day this is great right. <laughs> um and then yeah like i'm spending i'm still not spending enough time doing anything that i'm supposed to i should be doing an extra four hours of band stuff every night i should be doing an extra four hours of personal life like 24 hours in a day with sleep i ain't doing enough but i'm doing the best i can i know where i can sacrifice stuff if i have to like it's more or less I can I have the band that I can go to and be like, listen, I can't get this done. Can somebody do this? Or Brad, we need to make a Facebook post today. Can you throw this graphic up and just I, I'm busy and you know, we all take care of everything and do it ourselves. Um, as far as the stress that goes into it on, on the come up, we still pay for our own merch out of our own pocket. Uh, so everything that we sell at our merch table, we've paid for. Uh, anything from the merchant website comes from EBR, everything from the Dynalone store comes from New Damage, but that's very separated and it all goes to help us recoup. So we don't even see any of that money until it's all paid back, right. which by my calculations is about 2045. So <laughs> we got, we got a little bit going here. Um, yeah. But I, again, like it's, they've been awesome for it. Um, we buy our own, like our own gear, our own trailer where our manager cam has been amazing. Hooking us up with deals. Me and Brad just got a Fender sponsorship. So we get a little bit cheaper on guitars. Um, We've had an Ernie Ball deal for the better part of the last two years that have been integral. And like, it's the, again, it's those little things you don't realize if I'm spending, you know, 30 bucks on a pack of strings every two weeks, that starts adding up. But if I can buy a box of strings for 30 bucks and it lasts me six months, I'm saving money. Again, that goes back to the average person, not really understanding the expense of, you know, even with a label, like a lot of times, I think people assume, oh, you're signed to equal, and they're pretty well known label. They're probably covering your costs. What they don't understand is the way contracts work is, yeah, they're covering your, your cost front, but they get back off of royalties and merch. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, uh, they've been awesome for it. They prepay and we're gone again. That one's on me again. 
I'm going to freak out on my internet. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, it happens, man. I've been there. We good. <laughs> um, but no, what I was saying is, you know, sure, the label covers the upfront cost, music video, pressing albums when you do physical releases, things like that. But I think a lot of people think that labels just pay for it and then the band starts making money immediately off of that. And that is not the case. Like, uh, no, there's, guys, no, there's it, no such thing as a free lunch. We are going to be paying that back with blood and sweat and tears for the foreseeable future. And I have no problem with that. If it means I have to keep right. working and playing music to make them more money, I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the part that, that a lot of people miss out on is they just assume, oh, that, you know, the label paid for that. Well, they did, but the band's busting their ass to pay the label back whether or not it's actually you guys cutting a check or the label, you know, selling merch through the website and getting money back that way. Yeah. And I mean, we have the option. That's one of the biggest things I think a lot of people don't understand is we can just upfront, give them 10 grand and be like, Hey, we're out of debt, but then we're out 10 grand and (laughs) then we start making money. So it's, it's a nice fair trade-off. We actually just, we were going through all the stock that we had from our EP on the Equal Vision store. And they're like, oh, you got five of this shirt left. You have eight hats and like 50 vinyl. And we're like, let's just buy the rest of it. Like, right. There's no problem with me having this merch at our show because it's more likely to sell there, especially in Canada versus shipping costs from the States. Like I can yeah. move a handful of these things around, which is awesome. Um, and we like that's an open offer from every label at any point. I am also a... I'm really not good with money like I think I am. I pre-ordered my own record on three different labels just because I was like, ah, let's put the money into it. Right. We got a copy for myself and a copy for my dad, and we're we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, and then one that you can keep sealed, and you know, 40 years down the road, you can be like, that was the first, you know, full-length album that this band ever did that I was a part of. Yep. I, yeah. my my favorite thing and people have always kind of had these conversations of like you know why why are you doing music what drove you to do this and i'm like man i want to be able to tell my gay, my kids my grandkids like i want to have a legacy that carries on after i'm gone and that's what captains kind of became and i'm stoked on that yeah yeah and i think that's like what word do i want to use for that it's a it's an ambitious goal in the sense that that means that you have to build a brand and that's really what it is is a brand that lasts long enough or makes a big enough impact that people go yeah i remember that band or whatever um but at the same time like it's also not as difficult as what a lot of people may think in the sense of to leave a legacy could just be with you and the 40 people in the close circle that are still going to sit around in 50 years and be like, Hey, remember when you were out on tour with Beartooth or remember when you guys did this, like that's still something cool for kids to hear and be like, Oh shit. Like that actually did some stuff. hundred percent. There's a Banksy quote that uh, I can't remember if it's an exit through the gift shop or something like that, but it's uh, you die twice. Once when you take your last breath and once when somebody says your name for the last time, the first one, it's happening. Nobody's going to stop that. You're never going to live forever. But that second one you have control over. And I'm 
dedicated and driven to not let the second one ever happen in some way, shape or form. I don't care if it's through music, if it's through, you know, my grandkids, whatever it's going to be. I want to leave that lasting impression that no matter what, my second death never comes. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's an incredible way to to think about life and look at life is, you know, all of a sudden we're going to get super fucking deep, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you this... look at you and me, we are not guys that look like we're like sitting having conversations with monks and it's being prolific, but right. we have our moments. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think it's a, a really cool way to look at life because again, the, the impact is what matters, right? So whether that impact is on the music scene your family, friends, the town that you live in, whatever it is, like you said, and, you know, to quote Banksy, um, if people are still talking about you, then you're still alive, you know? 100%. And like, like, we'll use, Robin, we'll use Chester from Lincoln Park. Chester's never going to die that second death because nope. there's always going to be people talking about Chester. Dude, the radio station here, I hear Lincoln Park twice a day. Like, <laughs> there, It's going to get spun into eternity. And I, there's not much better ways I can think of living forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, a buddy of mine, this before Chester passed, back when Pandora was like the number one streaming service, he had all kinds of different like stations on there and whatnot. And he texts me and my my best friend one night. And he's like, dude, I wish I loved anything the way that Pandora loves fucking Lincoln Park. <laughs> because like he said, like every fourth song was a Lincoln Park song and it's like a rise against station or whatever. Yep. He's like, I don't, I don't even, it's, he's a huge Slipknot fan. And he said he was listening to Slipknot one day on there and all of a sudden fucking in the end came on from Lincoln Park. And he's like, how the fuck did we get here? Like, where's this connection? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, dude, I, listening to any radio station in canada for me does the exact same thing like i'm going from the tragically hip to metallica to whatever that main skin dude slave song is back again i'm just like man i don't know where i'm at nickelback still (laughs) plays regularly and i'm not gonna be mad about that yeah yeah it's uh it's an interesting thought and i think to kind of tie it back into the music obviously the way that that we get to these points is by writing shit that's real and authentic. Like in 50 years, are people going to remember Justin Bieber's songs? Maybe, maybe not. You know, he wrote pop songs. Yeah. And that's cool. Some of them are really dope, but there's no real substance to a lot of them. Whereas like you guys are putting out music that's about life and about real shit. And it's like, okay, well, I can relate to this versus hearing Justin Bieber on the radio is just going to be upbeat in the sense of, you know, it's a high tempo song. Yeah, dude, that's we were talking about it the other day. Uh, Luke writes in such a unique style. He's not writing a song. He's writing a conversation, be it one sided or whatever. But he also writes music the same way he talks. So in Wasted, and this is the example that he decided to bring up, he says, I'm tired of getting wasted. We smoking backwards, getting fucked up and faded. I still don't know what that means, <laughs> but I feel that line. Like right. <laughs> it's it, I obviously he's smoking weed and that's his right. advice and doing his thing. But it's he has these conversations to nobody or to everybody, and he just wants you to listen to it. 
but it makes it as it's something that, you know, how many other people, especially in this day and age, talk like that and are having these conversations and feel something like that. There's a song on the record, uh, track five or track six, it's called Loving Cup. And it's it's Connor's be all end all holy grail of songs. And he gets into some stuff in that song that, you know, I've known him for 10 years. I've known what he went through, but to hear him finally express it, it changed how I look at him. So I can only imagine what it's going to be to people that don't actually know him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's track number five, by the way, I've got the track list pulled up. Uh (laughs) I'm glad one of us knows. I'm Hey, I know ballpark. I'm like, I think it's, I know yeah. what it comes after and I know what it comes before, but that's all yeah. I got. No, it's all good. Um, but no, I think that that is a, a very important factor is that, you know, like you said, to write music that even someone that has known you for 10 years and has seen the, you know, trials and tribulations that you go through and then you write a song and they go, Oh shit. You know, like, this is a, a whole new perspective on everything. I think it says a lot about the depth that you guys have. And that's why back to the genre labels of like, oh, they're a hardcore band. Are you? You know, like, are you really? Hey, if somebody can tell me what band I'm actually in, that would be really cool. <laughs> but right well, now, man, gonna, I'm just... <laughs> it's not going to be me. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, we're going to keep vibing. It'll be great. <laughs> I, so, hey, uh, b- before we get too far, Josh, I feel like we could yeah. be like cousins or something like that. Like just right. it's the black hoodie and beard going right now. Same yeah. guy. I get confused yeah, what side sure. of the screen I'm on. Yeah, for sure. Totally, totally feel that. Um, I actually had a baseball hat on before I got on this, so it would have been perfect. Same guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the album. You know, we've touched on a couple of songs. It's going to be coming out two days after this episode is live and like you said earlier kind of it's already out in at least canada kind of because the label already sent some stuff out i mean i pre-ordered the record and i still don't have it but other people do so (laughs) hey new damage thanks for that you keep keep leaking my music for me i don't have to worry about it i'm not the one going against my own label we're set um (laughs) yeah no record comes out in two days october 29th it's it's going to be available everywhere. We got four, for the time being, four different variants of the vinyl. Um, yeah, the exclusives in... I, I keep saying the word exclusive, but there's only one like exclusive, and it's from New Damage. It's the red and black splatter. Um, then they're doing a green and transparent variant that's going in like stores. Um, US got the white, red, and green splatter um, from... EVR and then I rude got their own variant they only got 25 of them but I know there was like I know there was like a handful more printed than that I just I don't know if I'm getting them or what the deal is with that uh so I always feel bad calling that one an exclusive because I feel like 25 is a little too like exclusive exclusive yeah that's I mean hopefully it doesn't go that way and I doubt that it does because rude isn't you know the kind of stingy label like that but it's that's almost like here's your championship rings. This is actually for the band and the labels. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I bought I bought two of them, so I was like, oh. <laughs> so there's 23 out there for the rest. He is apparently, <laughs> but I hope I think I think there is more. I just we got to figure out where they are or if I get them. 
Yeah. And who knows? It, it may be something too, where maybe a little closer to the holidays, they say, Hey, by the way, now this is up as a, you know, holiday gift pack or something. Yeah. I think it was like um, a 25 pre-order was what the exclusive was like. You could get gotcha. it beforehand. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about that and the, the mindset that goes into in this day and age, making physical copies of, of albums not just CDs, but especially the vinyl side of things, dude. It's it's, it's expensive. No and, argument. <laughs> and especially when you start getting into the variants, right? Like black wax. Okay, it's still expensive, but it's not terrible. But now you want to get into these splatters and these clears and shit like that. Like, talk a little bit about so that people will start appreciating when bands do this and not think, Oh, you're charging $50 for a fucking album. You're just trying to make a shitload of money. It's like, mm, we're making like $4 here. Like, at, <laughs> at best we're making $4. I mean, like it's uh, the night and day comparison I can do is on the dine alone store. There is the clear and green that there's 400 copies of for $22. There's the red with black splatter, black splatter. There's 100 and they're $25. Like the exclusivity of that makes it, like a really cool thing there is and i i'm gonna say it i don't know if i'm supposed to um the first pressing of this whole record on all of the variants there is a misprint i'm not gonna say what it is y'all can go find it for yourself but that makes the first thousand records we did they are gonna be one of a kind you're like we've already adjusted what we've needed to do for the next run uh assuming everything sells out and we get to do another pressing but first right. pressing of this, it is like it is a cool thing, especially I know people that keep it in vinyl. I know guys that collect. I know like Bill from Silverstein uh, did a cool thing where they went into record stores, bought, you know, 25 vinyl, just whatever sleeves. I don't know if the records came with them or not. And then they screen printed and like a silhouette of their record on it and then resold those. And it's just kind of really cool to see this world kind of go, go back to it, but also evolve what vinyl collecting is and see, right. meet the, meet the diehards of it that, you know, I have every variant of this band. Um, I'm still, I'm trying to hunt down. It was a seven inch split from wonder years in motion city where they did each other's songs. And I'm like, I want to find it just because it's, you know, it was a one of 100 kind of thing. It's really fucking cool to have. Yeah. And it probably like, it's the only way you can listen to songs like that. Yeah. If, if you have yeah, it, it, find me. I was, I was getting ready to say too, like, it makes you wonder, do you think like, do you think Soupy has a copy of it? Like Dan from, from one of no. years, do you think they have a copy? I, initially I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, everybody that's in the band has every copy of every variant of every piece of merch they've ever made. I don't even have that for myself. Like, I mean, I do for captains because we have like nine things. It's very easy for me to have, but like, you know, uh, there's 50 variants or whatever it is with the new Beartooth record. I highly doubt Caleb is collecting his own vinyl in every color. It's right. That, that's an absurd number. Like I have two, I have two of the same ones. Cause I accidentally bought it twice. I accidentally <laughs> bought a Dan remembers new record on gold vinyl a year ago. I still don't have it. Well, you, you may be waiting on that one. If we're being real. <laughs> I like, I, they gave me an update in like, I don't know, May. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's probably going to be like November. And then like I emailed them and I was like, so we still looking at November and they're like, honestly, we don't even know. I was like, all right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I accidentally spent a hundred dollars on this thing. I've said goodbye to that already. Whatever. 
but especially at this point, you know, here we are coming up on November, like hmm, that hundred dollars didn't kill me. I'm still here. You know, yeah, like I wasn't it is what it desperate. Is. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, you don't have to say which ones you're skipping on the new album, but I'm curious what ones are you looking forward to at this show? Just absolute balls to the wall playing as hard as you can. Uh, dude, I collapse track two. I had, from day one, I wanted that to be a single. It never wound up being it, but it is one of the funnest songs for me to play. It's got like a little bit more intricate bass parts. I get to play some power chords. I actually live get to do some vocal parts with it too. So it just kind of, it pushed me to be a little bit better. Uh, it was one of the ones I had the hardest time tracking in the studio. Uh, I think at one point Luke had to jump in and just like track apart because he was like, no, nah, it's got to be this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, where am I at? Collapse, Collapse. Steady, steady Pensive, track uh, four. Um, again, same thing. I think we all agreed that's the sleeper track. It's going to be the biggest song off the record that wasn't a single. Uh, it's ton again, ton of fun to play. It's on my end, it's very easy. I think it is four chords, but I just get to run around and have fun and bounce. And it's super catchy sing along wise. So I'm sure people are going to be involved in that. Uh, going heavy because I like the heavy shit loyalty. It's yep. so much fun. And like, I actually feel like a better musician because it is a little more intricate, a little bit faster. And uh, it's something about heavy music, man. I just feel heavy musicians are better musicians. <laughs> um, th those are like my top three for sure. Laurel yeah. Canyon. I'm excited to see it live now that people know it. We've been playing it for about two years before the record came out or before we tracked the record even. So like, a lot of people kind of knew that song, but they didn't, you know, they didn't have any frame of reference to it and they'd sing along by the second chorus. So right. I think that'll be a fun one uh tailspin i don't know like a tailspin i've kind of we said it on a couple interviews and stuff when the right or when the song came out nobody had that as their number one song none of us was like that's my favorite off the record but we all felt like it very much helped transition from the ep to the full length and if it's in there but it does to me still feel like old captains uh tons of fun super catchy it's gonna bounce uh what are we at yeah. loving cup Loving Cup is my one to skip. And it is just because it is a little, it's a little more dialed back. Um, I, I, man, when I drive, I drive angry. I don't need soft songs on for me. <laughs> That's just how it is. Uh, again, I love it. Like Connor, it's the most I feel Connor has opened up to us in the 10 years I've known him. Uh, so like there is an appreciation for it in that way, but it's just, it's not my vibe. It's not angry enough. Uh, where am I at? Six. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's six of them. So you've so far we haven't talked about uh, undone, wasted, broken, undone, glass. broken glass, wasted, vacant sentiment, and uh, friends and family. Um, undone, it tons of fun. Undone and broken glass, we've played live a few times, so it's same kind of thing as Loyal Canyon. I'm excited to see people's reaction once they actually know the song, uh, and kind of see how we refined it, and you know. We didn't just write the song, play it live, take it to the studio. We did some production. We put some work in, uh, which I think for the betterment of it. Right. There was, there was parts that the fat definitely needed to be trimmed. Yeah. Um, wasted. I mean, Luke goes off on that. There's a lot of bars he's spitting. It's, it feels slow to me. I feel like I'm very draggy in it when we play it. Uh, and it is. It's that's just the kind of song it is it's that very justin bieber pop kind of formula we took to it uh luke's a big emo trap kid so we did kind of put the emo <laughs> trap and the pop music and all that into yeah. it to get it where it was 
uh, Vacant Sentiment. That song is weird in the <laughs> best way. Um, we're we're very, very fortunate. I'm going to give a shout out to Ty and Quinn for that one. Um, Quinn, again, Rankwitz, our producer, our engineer. We've worked with him on the EP. We went back to the well with him because the dude is an unreal musician. He's got an ear for it. And he's one of our best friends as a collective. So it's very easy for us to work together and bounce ideas and take criticism criticism from. Um, but then we brought in um, Ty Elgie, who was in a band with Quinn when we all started kind of playing music called The Red Threat. They were one of the first local bands I ever saw and kind of were be- became the reason I started playing music with an actual like passion for it. I was like, oh, those dudes are from here and can play it. I'm going to fucking do that, too. Uh, I have Ty's lyrics tattooed across my chest, which is always really funny because I see this dude for football like once a week. And I'm like, he knows. I know. But we don't talk about it. Um <laughs> But yeah, so we went and kind of go through all that. Um, and then Dan Carrier, uh, who sings and plays guitar in a band called Royal Tusk, which is Quinn's new band. The three of them kind of sat down and worked together on Baked Sentiment. Not for us, but they're like skeleton the song. Like we want, like, what do you guys think of this? Uh, and we all loved it. Like everything, Ty had helped write Chasing Ghosts, which is our biggest song to date. So there's no way we're going to just kind of laugh off anything he has. And we tried it and it's different. It's very progressive versus kind of like a verse chorus verse chorus bridge out even though it is verse chorus verse chorus bridge out it doesn't feel like it is and and so it's it's a cool one to kind of get into uh and then friends and family again like the last two songs on the record are weird they're very much for kind of the people on the left side or the right side of it where the rest of the record i think falls very safely in like a pop punk kind of vibe um one leans very pop one leans very rock they're both going to be fun. I think there's going to be people that are super into all of it. Uh, and especially with it being Halloween, I, the friends and family just has this creepy kind of vibe that fits right. Yeah. So uh, I think that's really cool too, that whether it was intentional or not, you know, the album dropping right before Halloween and having some of this like heavy and dark, you know, type of lyrics and, and meaning behind certain songs, like, obviously it's not a halloween record i don't want anybody to think like oh they they wrote a fucking like themed halloween record because that's not the case i love motionless and white but that's not our jam yeah (laughs) right um but i think you know like you said there there's just just enough of a tie together where it's like oh okay that's that's fucking weird and kind of creepy like cool halloween's in two days like all right we can do this um Something we haven't touched on yet is November 4th. You guys have the documentary coming out. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that because, A, almost no bands are doing shit like this anymore, and I don't understand why. And, B, in the back in the day, like short of like a day to remember and every time I die who always dropped it with their album, it would be like, here's the album. And then like three to four months later, like, oh, here's a documentary about the album. What went into, we're going to give you the album. And then like a week later, we're going to give you this documentary. I mean, when, when we sat down um, to preface all of this, we opened for The Offspring two days uh, in 2019, kind of right before the world went to shit. It was one of the last kind of things we all did. And like playing to 10,000 people in our hometown and an outdoor festival, like it was just, it was us and them. That was the bill. It was crazy. Uh, we knew we wanted to document that. And so uh, we went to Justin and Sam from Gorilla Motion Pictures. Gorilla Motion Picture. 
Uh, there's an S in there somewhere. I don't know where it falls. Um, but we went to them and I've known Justin for years. I grew up playing hockey with his sister. And funny enough, we kind of like just reconnected when they started doing a bunch of video work. And I was like, oh, dope. Really quality stuff. I love what they're doing. I would love to get them on a video sometime. And we're just like, do you guys want to like follow us for the day and just get some footage? And, you know, we'll put together like a little half hour, like, yo, here's what our day is. So more than anything, it's we had something to go back and remember. Um, right. I'm really bad for that. I get very caught up in my moments and you know, I don't take pictures on my phone. Like I'm, I'm there, I'm working. I remember it. It's great. And then as soon as I'm out of it, it's gone. And so I like having something I can go back and look back on, especially like, again, show my kids, show my parents, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they did an absolutely bang up job. Like so, so, so happy. They made a music video, the out of my head video um, with footage from that, which again, like, it's just, it's so cool to look back on that. So we're like, okay, well, we'll Let's do the same thing with this record. If not for anybody else, it's something for us. If it never sees the light of day, if the label doesn't want to pay for it, we'll figure it out. Um, fortunately, New Damage was kind of getting on board at the same time and foot the bill for it. So Jacob, again, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm sure we'll make it back some way. Um, but so yeah, we got to we got to sit and get them to follow us around. And they came in, you know, once, twice a week. Um, I going back through the footage with them and like getting like the proper edits and initially the whole thing it was like a two-hour doc and that was all we were getting and then we started talking okay let's do these webisodes we're putting them out every week leading up to the record help build some hype which has been awesome um and then we're doing the full i think it's an hour and 15 minute documentary at the end which we're doing the screening on november 4th uh we're also doing that as like a little hey we're gonna sell merch we're gonna sell tickets we've got a photo booth coming in like we we're making it a celebration of the record more than just hey come and watch a movie that we made uh, there's gonna be an acoustic set. We're gonna do a Q and A. I think we're gonna live stream everything too. So like, everybody can be involved in this. It's a very kind of milestone for us that we want to celebrate with all our friends and all our fans and all our family. So really excited about it. Um, but yeah, when we sat down and we we're going through the footage, I realized there's like ten minutes of me doing anything music related in there because I was tracking bass at eight a.m. every day, and these guys are showing up at noon, so I was already done my parts. <laughs> I think there, there is actually more footage of Luke tracking bass in the documentary than there is me. And I like, I swear I'm on the record. I did it. Right. But it's just, it's a funny kind of like, uh, but no, like we got to sit down and do that. And we're really excited to kind of get this out and be able to be around people and celebrate it and talk about it and show a lot of people that again, I think like you were saying before, a lot of people don't understand what goes into a lot of this process. Um, we had to cut a lot of parts out of it that I think we all got a little too emotional with. Not not emotional, but it got repetitive. There's a good yeah. There's a good 15 minute segment that's me and Luke fighting over. I'm not exaggerating the word this or the word that at the end of a lyric. <laughs> and I was like, it was just like, man, like the the tense doesn't work. And he's like, nah, but it sounds better. And we're just like 15 minutes of us just getting mad through a pane of glass about it. Like nobody needs to see that, but it right. really does help show the emotion and the pressure that we kind of put ourselves in. We didn't have a timeline with this record. We kind of knew going in, like it's a pandemic. We're not going to be able to put this out for a while. So all the stress that we put on to this record, we put on ourselves, right. uh, which is fucking awesome and terrible all at the same time. Cause there's like, there's definite moments in there that, you know, we're fighting and like somebody's leaving at the end. Nobody left. Nobody went to bed mad. That was the upside. We all agreed. Like, if anybody's got a problem, we're going to air it out. You can go be upset about something, but you're not going to bed mad about somebody else because we have to live together for a month in the studio. So, Yeah, and I, I think that's another thing that 
I always try to touch on a little bit is bands, most bands, obviously you have some people out there like Alice Cooper's band is not really a band, right? Like they're just paid musicians, tour musicians, whatever. But like most real bands are so much more than five guys getting together just to play music. You know, there's a, a real family brotherhood um, connection behind all that. And I think it's important because, like you said, people don't see, obviously it didn't come to fists, but, like, there's real arguments. Like, we're really upset with each other about stupid little things just like brothers would fight about. But at the end of the day, this is not going to fucking end us or, you know, we're not going to let this define our moment. No, it's funny that that's happening. I just got a message from Brad that he's mad I made an Instagram post right now, so... <laughs> like it, this is what i mean like this stuff happens we get mad at each other in our chats all the time he's i posted an instagram story on the band account that we got up on the billboard and then i posted on my own account that we got up on a billboard and he's like man we're supposed to post on the band account first and i'm like i, I did right <laughs> like I, I, the argument's there i get it but at the same time i'm like it's up there People realize it like other people have been posting the billboard too. this isn't a secret for anybody. We're we're celebrating. We're excited. I'm on a fucking billboard. I'm going to post about it. Right. And, you know, not to throw Brad under the bus here, but it would be way different if it was one of those under wraps things and you leaked it before we had to talk about it. You know, like if you would have leaked a song before the album drops. OK, sure. Be mad. Like that's a fucking thing. 100 percent. But but. This billboard's out for thousands of people to see. And it's been up for a full day. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, oh, I snuck in and did this. No, it's it's there. Like No, to, to his works. credit, I will be the one to sneak in and do something. But <laughs> okay. I'm also, like, I put in the group chat, I was like, yo, am I cool to post this? And Connor said yes. So I just blasted social media. with. I don't care what social media it was, but it went up. But we can also throw Brad under the bus just for the sake of it because it's Brad. I'm pretty sure it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Brad. <laughs> awesome. Um, so for people in your area, there are still tickets available for this release party show. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like how stoked are you guys? Cause it's been a long time for live music. Man, I am more excited than any of them. For multiple fucking reasons. One, Starlight Room, this venue is iconic for us. Um, we're actually, we got very fortunate. We got a grant from Factor, which is Canadian government, to actually film and release the live set. So they're sending in okay. camera crew and they're recording the audio and everything. And one of, I got like four or five movies slash documentaries I watch before tour and before big shows. Like it's just kind of part of my ritual and just like it gets my head in the right headspace. Um, one of them is 10 second epics documentary where there's a bunch of footage of them playing in this room, sold out as a record release show. So for me to be able to do the exact same thing that a band did, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that kind of set the pace for Edmonton bands. I'm over the moon excited for that on my own personal level. I think we've played that stage before supporting Seaway and living with lions and bearings, but we've never been the headlining band in that room. And so like, it's huge for us. Right. Um, I'm also the longest from the last show we've played. Um, so we finished like it was December 18th or something like that of 
2019 was the last show I played. Um, while I was gone with Beartooth, the rest of the boys played uh, a festival in Edmonton opening for like Danko Jones and Our Lady Peace. They played a fundraiser house party kind of show. And then they played a skate park fundraiser. So they've played three shows in the last like two months. Uh, I haven't actually been on stage in over two, almost two years. So I am, I am the most excited. I feel like I do drugs, even though I like don't, I'm just like bouncing off the walls. Like the withdrawals hit the highs hit and I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, no, like this, it, it feels so vindicating to be able to get up and do that stage and like, we've been going over um, tickets and stuff the last couple of days. Like we got our hand to hands on Thursday last week. Uh, we've already sold a hundred tickets out of ourselves and I had to put in an order for more tickets. Uh, I know like the pre-sales on that online have been going pretty hard too. So like, I feel fairly confident that this show is going to, if not come close at sellout, uh, which again, yeah. it's one of those feelings like, man, people actually give a shit about this band and about this record which to me is bizarre because I still, like I said, feel like we're in Luke's mom's basement playing songs when we were 18. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so it's, it's one of those things when you support another artist like you do. So you're working with Barracuda. I lost you again, John. It would figure. <laughs> that, was, that was the quickest fix. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, like you know, it. I think I can relate to your excitement because you've gotten to be around live music with Beartooth here lately. But when it's your own thing, it just it's a totally different fucking level. And like you said, with Beartooth, it's not like you're out on stage necessarily you know, performing, um, you know, I do photography outside of this and outside of my day job. So same thing, like concert photography is where I love to be, but I've done like a few family shoots and things like that. But until that first concert came back after COVID, I was like, just jonesing, like so amped up and ready for shit. And then I got my first approval and I was like, fuck yes, it's real. Let's go do this shit. You know, oh, it feels so, um, so I totally so feel where you're that. coming from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like it's it's been too long and I've lived through people for too much of the time. I've been watching, you know, friends bands get their opportunities, get their tours. Um, Cody, who was in Youth Fountain and Bedroom Talk back when we toured with them, joined Real Friends and it's just been on the road since. Yeah. And I'm just like every story, every fucking post. I'm just like, you motherfucker, I want to do that um niles yeah. who's playing guitar in point north he's out with or he was out with the day to remember and i'm just like motherfucker like i want to do that again <laughs> and i'm so jealous and i'm so excited and i'm so proud of all my friends but at the same time i'm just like it should have been me <laughs> right now now it finally right. is i'm doing it <laughs> yeah and i i actually just saw real friends a few weeks ago here in indianapolis um and then I just saw that they got picked up. They're on the Mayday Parade fucking tour coming up. The world that just tour. got fucking announced. Yeah. yeah like fucking also, nuts. Shout out to the boys in Magnolia Park for getting the US dates on that one. That that show yeah. is gonna be fucking insane. Doesn't come them remotely yeah. close to us. Go figure, Deadmonton yeah. for life. <laughs> but 
we don't have to get super deep in it. We've talked for a while here, but you guys are in that weird spot, right? Like your, your area, you've got Toronto. That's kind of close. Not you've even got, remotely. Well, <laughs> Toronto's but, about 48 hours away. Okay. Which one? Vancouver is closer to you then, yes, right? Sir. That's about okay. 18 hours. Had the, had the coast flipped here. Yeah. Uh, but it, either way, it seems like a lot of times when labels or whoever is routing a fucking tour up in Canada, it is literally like either you go to Toronto or you go to Vancouver or you just fuck off. Like there's nothing else there. Nope. I, I dude, I totally get it being on the other side and doing the booking for captains. We're a horrible fucking place to play. But I will say because of that, when shows come here, people go harder, people party later, and people buy more fucking merch because they are so excited for something to come up here. And it's again, we grew up in a great fucking scene. We are very, very fortunate to have the backing that we have from the musicians we're around, from the fans that we're around, the people that are around. But that doesn't change the fact that I miss local music and I still want to go to shows and shit. Uh, I think we said like we're there's an emo night in Edmonton on Saturday. We're all just, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's let's go out. Let's have a good time. Let's celebrate that. And then uh, Tuesday, there's an all time low show here with uh, nothing nowhere and meet me at the altar. And I'm like, cool, let's go hang out. At, like, let's just get back into it and get back involved with it. So when the time the show comes, none of us forget how to act at a concert. <laughs> right. Because it's been forever. Um but again, I can't blame any booking agent not wanting to put anybody up here when, you know, if you if you do a Vancouver date and your nearest next date is Calgary, you almost have to put a day off in between those two. Then you do Calgary, Edmonton. And if you're lucky, you can get a day in Saskatchewan that's worth it. But if not, day off, if not two, maybe Winnipeg. Like it, there's a lot of dead space up here. I totally understand it. I drove like nine hours to get from the border to Edmonton at one point. Like it is a far haul. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate too, you know, like Indiana is considered a B market in the U S sometimes a C market. It depends on who the, the artist is. So like Indianapolis may not get the tour, but Chicago will, which is only like three and a half, four hours. It's not yeah. terrible. I, I make that drive. But then the thing that's annoying is it's always like that three and a half to four hours. So it'll be like Chicago, St. Louis, Louisville, Kentucky, Yep. Like Cincinnati, Ohio, like what the fuck? Just come to Indiana for a fucking minute, guys. Yep. I mean, hey, I love Fort Wayne. We flew into there for the Beartooth rehearsals. Sweetwater's a great facility. I yeah. have never done a show in Indiana. Well, if it happens, let me know because I will fucking be there. Oh, it will. I'll fucking take your word <laughs> on it. I, yeah, the closest we did, we did a show in Louisville and somebody from Indianapolis drove down. Yeah. Uh and I still feel really bad because the venue threw our merch out that day. It was a bad day. Like, like it was drop shipped there and then they trashed it? Nah, like we had our merch table set up. And while we were on stage, they decided it was time to close up and they just cleaned off our merch table. Wow, that's that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, dude, I might be short, but like three or four beers in me, I am feisty. So I'm like yelling at the fucking owner of a venue and just like... <laughs> He's a big day. He could have eaten me in like one bite. Right. <laughs> I was just like, nope, fuck this. We had we had a really bad run. Uh, we did like that huge US tour. It was 62 days, 56 shows in 62 days or something like that. Um, which I, I don't fucking recommend. It's <laughs> way too many days on. 
but you know, we're yeah. first band on tour. We had to prove to ourselves that we could do it. Now we know never to do it again. Um, the third leg of it, cause we swapped out, um, bands that we were touring with. Um, we started in Louisville with Felicity from Florida and brigades from mm-hmm. the Carolinas. And like, that's our first meeting of this band is I'm already trying to fight the venue owner for throwing out our merch. The second show of that tour was in Ringgold, Georgia in a deli, which, you know, that's already a great story. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There was two tornadoes that touched down and the sky was black at like 3 p.m. So we all thought we were going to die. The the promoter promised us dinner, but didn't buy it. So he just grabbed like a hundred bucks and gave it to Luke and said, just go to that Costco next door and buy pizza. Uh, so Luke did. And then yeah. the venue owner was like, well, you can't bring pizza into a deli. Like if you're buying food, it's gotta be for me. So we had to eat pizza outside in the rain. Um, we got told the second we got there that it was a dry show. I think it was a dry County. So we weren't even allowed to drink. Yeah. And it was, if anybody gets caught drinking, the show's immediately shut down. Which prompted me to immediately go to the van and crack a beer. <laughs> I, I didn't know what else to do. I was like, I can't drink. Right. I'm going to drink about it. Like, that's, that's yeah. how it works. <laughs> um, and then end of the night comes, promoter goes, yeah, I didn't make enough money to pay you guys. And I'm like, that sucks. You got four bands on tour. What are you going to do about it? Uh, yeah. And same thing, like two nights in a row, I've just met these two bands and they're watching me square up to fight promoters or venue owners to get paid. Yeah, it's never had to fight, never had to throw a fist. Thank fucking God, because I think I would get crumbled in (laughs) no time. Fold me in half. We're done. Yeah. You know, that's so I've I've brought this up before. And again, we don't have to get super deep on it, but I am to this day not going to understand the thought process that goes behind when a promoter gives a band tickets and says, by the way, you have to sell at least a hundred tickets or else the show doesn't happen. Like you're, you're the fucking promoter. Like your job is to sell tickets. Yeah. I mean, the I, show. Like, I've, I've been on both sides of it. I used to put on shows here. Um, I definitely had a handful of bands take advantage of the fact that like, you know, I could get 30, 40 friends to come to a show, but the only 30, 40 people that were there were people I knew and they weren't bringing somebody in. And then I'm still giving right. them money at the end of the night. And I'm like, it's got to kind of go both ways here. So I've had, I've done those shows where I'm like, listen, like, you know, I'm not going to pay anybody unless everybody sells, you know, X amount of tickets. And that X amount of tickets is what they fucking make. So, you know, I've had the, right. Hey, I need you guys to sell 20 tickets for the show. Band comes like, we sold 18. I'm like, cool. Keep the money. Like, I think yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not doing this shit. If I can afford a six pack and a slice of pizza at the end of the night, cool. I'm fucking stoked on it. If I can't, as long as everybody else isn't struggling, that's the biggest thing I've kind of found. Uh, and it is, yeah. it, it's a karmic retribution thing. You know, I've been fortunate enough that in those instances, like we got pizza at that first venue as right. like reparations for throwing a couple shirts out. It sucked, but that's how things went. Uh, the next night, same thing, like fighting with the dude in the deli about it. The owner of the venue is like, listen, just take the money that I made on sandwiches tonight. So the money that all the bands had spent on food in there, we just got back. So it was like, you know, everybody got something at the end of the night. We've been very fortunate with that. Um, aside from one night in Toronto, the promoter straight up just left. Uh, and my response was to put a hole in the wall and have the venue bill her for it. Yeah. 
That was, that I mean, was, that seems fair, though. I, hey, man, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the hole was more expensive than paying me would have been. Yeah, but that's something I've, again, never understood and, and probably never will. Like, even if she isn't going to be able to pay you, like, whatever the, the promise was, like, just tell me. You know what I mean? Like, am I going to do business with you again? Probably not. Like, we're probably going to have fucking words. Oh, no. So the kicker is we did. And as soon as we loaded in, I was like, can I get my guarantee now? She's like, why? And I'm like, because you didn't pay me last time. And she just looked dumbfounded. And I was like, I'm not like, I'm not moving until you give me the 250 you promised me. And I, again, it's one of those, I don't feel like I'm asking too much. No, it's a different story. If I'm playing a fucking festival show and they're like, Hey, we promised you 10 grand, but we can only give you eight. I'm going to be fucking fine with that. Right. <laughs> but if I'm playing a local show and there's 150 people there and you promised me $150 and you can't give me a dollar a head, you're bad at business. Right. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Somebody fucked up here and it wasn't me. Like, yep. and I, again, sure. it's one of those things working in the industry and being a part of it and being around guys like Beartooth. Uh, we had the conversation last night about it that. Uh, at our show, we're probably going to strike our kit as the headlining band because we don't want to impede on the space and ruin the show that these other bands can put on because right. we've had that done to us. We've played a set where there was three drum kits up there before us and the stage was only 15 feet deep. Like there yeah. wasn't space for us to be up there. And we fuck, we're bitter about it. I'm still, I'll fucking shit talk every band that left that gear up there that night because I was just like, man, you're seriously going to do this to us. They also put a limiter on our sound and our lights, which I thought was bullshit. Uh, I understand hmm. limiter on sound, but you limit the yeah. lights. Like, come on, man. Let it be but, bright, at least. Yeah. And especially coming from a photographer uh, doing concert photography, you know, like give, give me lights at least. You know, I can deal with some feedback or, you know, whatever. But if I don't have lights, what's the point of it? Well, it's, I, like it wasn't even like, hey, you know these vipers and these washes like they're all flashing not nah, it was just room lighting yeah but they were like nah you gotta dim that <laughs> and again i love fucking hall shows i love hardcore shows that shit's dope when you're on a stage and there's just like dim room lighting it sucks i feel like i'm playing a soundtrack more than i'm playing a show yeah yeah that's brutal um so i think to wrap things up what what i want to do is and we kind of touched on some of these these artists already if we're going to design and maybe there's a tour in the works that you can't talk about yet but let's say you're going to design a perfect world tour for <laughs> you uh and you get to take out three bands on this bill with you what three bands are like i have to have these guys with me okay first of all we don't even have an agent yet so there is no <laughs> tour in the work and i'm just like dying over it because like so one, it's the missing piece of the puzzle. We got 999 pieces, but that one that makes the whole thing look good isn't here. So we're waiting on that. Um, but I'm also like, I'm, I'm a sentimental dude more than I am anything else. Um, I want to tour with my friends more than I want to tour with. I, I would love to go out there and, you know, open for the Wonder Years for 60 straight fucking months and be content about it. And I would have the time of my life doing it. But at the end of the day, I want to go out and tour with the people that I want to hang out with every night. I want to finish the show and go have a beer with these guys. Um, and we've been super fortunate that any band I can think of that I would want to, we've already gotten a tour with. So it, it's a tough kind of, you know, internal debate going back and forth. Right. 
but like i would love to go out with youth fountain again tyler is one of my best friends we stay in touch um chief state i i was fortunate enough to tour two different countries with them playing bass with them on one of those tours uh, and rarity who are just i think one of the best if not most underrated canadian artists there is out there uh yeah, I, I love those dudes. Like, I literally had a FaceTime with our bass player maybe an hour before we were doing this just because I haven't talked to Cole in a minute. And I was like, I miss you, bud. Yeah. But I, end of the day, man. Like, again, we're not doing this for the money. We're not doing this for the fame. I'm doing this because I want to leave something behind. But I want to see people. I want to be around people that are like-minded, that have the same interests, that enjoy doing the shit that they do. I've been very lucky to get that inside of Captains. I've been very lucky to get that inside the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm never going to want to change any of that. Yeah. No, I think that's that's super cool because I ask that question fairly often and 98% of the time it's just name dropping, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, like you said, Wonder Years would be amazing, but most bands are like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're going to go out with Wonder Years, Four Years Strong and, and A Day to Remember. Okay, those bands have already made it and you're going with here are bands that are on the rise that we we know people in and we just fucking love like let's have a a bro session in a sense and go out and just party and have a good time and i think that speaks volumes to not just the band but like the mindset behind the band with you guys that it is as much as it is about obviously the ultimate goal of getting famous to some degree, which is all subjective anyway. And, you know, being successful, again, subjective anyway. But really the goal is to fucking have fun and do what you love to do. 100%. Dude, if I wasn't having fun with this shit, I would have left a long time ago. Like, I, this, this is fucking mentally exhausting. Like, I've broken my arm. I've dislocated my knee. Like, I have hurt myself touring and playing shows. And if I didn't have the time of my life doing it, fuck no, this isn't worth it. But this is everything I've ever wanted. This is what I've put, you know, a lot of aspects of my life on hold for. I made the agreement to my mom when I was 18, finishing high school. Like, hey, if I'm not signed by the time I'm 27, like that's that's my window. I'll give myself 10 years to figure this out. Uh, and I signed my first contract when I was 25. And so like I, I knew at some point I had something here that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm doing something I'm excited about. People are going to back it if they want to back it. If they're not, fuck them. I don't care. I'm not doing this for anybody outside of myself. And, you know, the four dudes that I I almost said I reluctantly <laughs> have chosen to do this with. but I've been. They're my best friends. They're morons. Sure. They're annoying. They're stressful. But they're my morons. And I love them to no end. And I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. Yeah. Sick, man. Uh, so, obviously, I'm going to link all the, the social medias and everything. But for the last little however long it takes you. Let's do kind of the standard outro. Uh, where can people find you? What can they expect? Obviously we've got the album and the release party. So if you're up in that that Edmonton area, like get out, fucking check out the show, support the guys. But what can they expect from you guys coming up and, and where can they find you? Man, there's a lot going on. Um, we've been slowly getting like new merch orders together and new, we're hopefully gonna do a full like winter line on our merch store. Uh, Luke's a big streetwear kid. So like, you know, having these exclusive drops and doing 40 of one shirt and that's all we're ever going to print of it is a big thing for him. And so we've been getting the pieces together to make that all happen. Um, obviously priority was the show. So like financially, right. that's where money has gone first. 
now that everything's kind of coming up, we got a release show on November 5th and the party November 4th. Um, we kind of start looking past that. We have, I literally, I picked it up today. We did a collaboration with a local coffee shop. We've got uh, 40 bags of uh, Calling All Captains slowly getting better brew from them. Uh, it's a darker roast there. It smells amazing. My car is going to be the my favorite thing to just <laughs> sit in and sniff. Um, we've been talking about doing a potential beer as well. I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of the alcohol, if you will. Uh, so yeah. we've been, we've been really excited to do something like that. Um, yeah, you know, the documentary is coming, the record's coming. And I, I, at the end of this, like, I think we're all just excited to get out and do something again. We're hitting the road again at some point, agent or not, we're touring. We'll figure out the logistics later, but like put us in a bus, put us in a van, put us in a fucking Honda Civic. I don't give a shit. I want to go play shows everywhere. It's captains worldwide. This shit is a cult. We're fucking doing it. Dude, thanks so much for having me, Josh. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate your time. Um, definitely, obviously, like I said, this is going up tomorrow. So uh, at the time of us talking. Um, but no, I, I'm stoked for you guys. And I, I told the girls over at, at Big Picture the other day, like, their eye, like, yes, they're, they work with the labels, whatever. But like, Becky, when she pitched you guys to me, is genuinely fucking stoked on you guys. I and it comes through Becky. so much. She Hell is yeah. amazing. Um, so, no, I, I think it's it's a huge testament, too, because Becky's been in the game a long time. And for her yeah. to be as excited as she is when she was pitching you guys to me, it, it speaks you know, just incredible volumes to where you guys are headed. So, um, yeah, that's everything I've got for you, man. I super appreciate it. Um, definitely. Brother, any, looking any, for these tour dates. Anytime. <laughs> I do. I love doing this shit. I love making new friends and hanging out. Um, I jump on a podcast with some dudes from Boston, like once a month and we just shoot the shit just because I like, I like people. I hate yeah. people, but I like certain people and the people I like, I want to hang out with a bunch. Um, that's exactly how i am i just told a <laughs> day job i told them i've got i think it's eight podcasts over the next nine days and they're like you, you're gonna be in front of your computer all to, you know the whole time blah, blah blah i'm like yeah but i like talking to those people i don't like talking to the general public like yep yeah. there's a big difference <laughs> yeah i and man i just going back to the thing about becky we've been beyond fortunate with this team of everybody we have it's people that have been involved in the industry. Our manager cam uh, has been doing this for over 10 years, dropped out of high school kind of vibe and has just been on the road working with people um, between like hands, like houses, pierce the veil secrets, bear tooth. Like he knows his shit. And for him to take a chance on us, the way that he has means the world. Uh, Steph at equal vision has worked with every agent under the sun and some of the biggest bands equal vision has put out. And, you know, we have a weekly meeting with her and she like just is so excited about this project. Uh, Jacob, like I said, uh, new damage. I've never seen somebody just wholeheartedly dive into a project the way that he has. And again, any weird request we have, he's like, yeah, let's make it happen. And it just, it's so awesome to have that. Dan Sanchot at Equal Vision has been amazing with us. Getting to work with Caleb and Quinn on the record and Kevin uh, Moore of Soft Surrogate, who did the artwork for the EP and the record. Like every single person that's been involved with this band has been the coolest people to work with and made our dreams come true and it's fucking incredible so thank you all you industry folk and everybody else that's been a part of that for helping us for helping me get here so i can bullshit and gush about you on the internet so thank you <laughs> yeah it, it really is they're unsung heroes like 
again, not to, to dive back into the episode, but the average fan does not really understand the network of people that it takes to make an artist get visibility. And like, yeah, it's the digital age. You can do a lot of shit on your own, but unless you know the right people, man, getting on Spotify playlists, getting, you know, promotion from Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. Like it just doesn't happen. And then, you know, I, I love the big picture girls. Um, so, you know, you link up with someone like big picture media and all of a sudden you have these resources that you kind of have access to without them, but they've got the relationship that says, yeah, we're going to make this happen. Period. Yeah. It's a, a who, you know, not what, you know, kind of scenario. And to that same credit, we still haven't stopped, you know, right. a foot's been on the gas pedal since day one. And yes, we're thankful and everything that they've put in front of us, but we're also not the kind of band that's just going to coast and let the label and let the agents and let the APR and everybody do it for us. We want to be involved. We want to be a part of it. We want to be in the conversation. And like Connor's the one who reached out. We got a radio station sponsoring uh, the show and the release and everything out here. Connor reached out and got in touch with them. Like we didn't just go to the label like, Hey, can you get somebody from over there to make it work? We're more than happy putting in our own time and our own money and our own effort into this, because this is what we've wanted and nobody else is going to do this shit for us. And if we're not genuine about it, I don't want anybody else to be genuine about it. So it's important for us to be involved. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's all I'm going to take for your time tonight, Nick. So super appreciate it. Definitely going to have you on either this show again, or uh, I don't know if Becky has told you, I have a second podcast called Musicians for Mental Health. And yes. I think we could definitely have some some super cool talks around that sort of stuff too. Brother, I got stories and I got time. We can make this happen. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'll be in touch then for sure. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, have a good night. Enjoy your time. Stoked for the, the release. I'll try to catch some of it on, on the live stream and everything and see what's up. Hell yeah. Awesome. Take care of yourself, brother. Thanks, man. You too. See you, Josh. Later. And that was my conversation with Nick from the band Calling All Captains. As always, hope you guys enjoyed that. I had an awesome time talking with Nick. As you heard there towards the end of the uh, conversation, we're probably going to have him on again, uh, whether it's on this podcast or over on Musicians for Mental Health. Um, you know, highly recommend a little bit of self-promotion highly recommend that you go over like subscribe follow and check out that podcast as well um where i'm having deep and honest conversations with artists about mental health struggles that they've had and their experiences and kind of just letting them be people um you know so often i think artists get held to that different standard and they're just people, too, that struggle with the same things that we all struggle with, and it's just a really cool uh, project that I'm working on and really hope that you guys take the time to check that out. But uh, even if you don't, Calling All Captains out of Canada, you need to be, again, put them on your radar. I say it all the time, but put them on your radar. Uh, they are absolutely getting ready to blow up. This album is just the first step for them. Uh, there's so much more depth that they're going to cover. There's so much more potential that they have, and it's really 
at the the brink of being unleashed. And I, I think this is a perfect time for listeners to dive in, get familiar with their, their songs. They've got an EP out already. The album drops just a couple days after this uh, conversation drops. And it's a prime opportunity to dive in and really check them out. Uh, as Nick said, too, they're doing a live stream with this album release, so you can definitely jump over and check that out. All of their socials are in the description of this podcast, so make sure you're following them on Instagram. They're super active over there. Um, give them a like, a share, subscribe on all the streaming platforms, whether you use Apple, Spotify, Pandora, whatever. Um, and then, if you could, just because it would be super dope, leave a comment here on this podcast uh, post on Instagram that you listen to it and that you either check them out based off of it or that you just listen to the episode. Uh, <laughs> but number two is if you listen to the episode and you checked them out and you liked what you heard, make sure you go follow them on Instagram make sure that you're following them on whatever your streaming platform is. Support these artists. Um, there's so much that you can do that's absolutely free to support them, such as you know sharing their stuff, liking and subscribing to their things on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and, and everywhere, Amazon, whatever they're using. Um, it, it costs nothing to do this most of the time. So... Give that little bit of support. They would greatly appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a prime time in music. COVID is finally letting up. Live music is coming back. So many bands are dropping just really awesome fucking records right now. And I'm stoked about it. I hope you guys are getting just as excited. And, you know, let's keep pushing the envelope and supporting the bands that are out there doing what they absolutely fucking love. Um, yeah, that's everything I've got for you guys this week, guys. So I am going to take you out with a song off of the new album by Calling All Captains. The album, again, is called slowly getting better the release show is november the 5th um the album drops october the 29th and i am taking you out with a song called wasted remember guys take care of yourselves take care of each other and you make the scene